Well, good morning. My name is Trevor Kaufman, and I'm the campus pastor at our South Creek campus. And I can tell you right now that the Spirit of God is alive in this place. But more importantly than that, I know that the Spirit of God, the very same Spirit that is here with us right now, is with you in your homes, unifying us all together as the body of Christ and as the church. And so I'm so excited to be able to be here with you this morning and share with you uh, the words that God has truly, I believe, placed on my heart. And so as you may know, we are in the third week of our series, Pizza and Wings. And if you're just joining us, you're probably wondering, what in the world could this possibly be about? Well, the tagline is a taste of the familiar. And so we're looking at familiar passages and stories and experiences through Scripture So familiar at times that maybe we've even taken them for granted and not really fully understood their meaning or or forgotten their original intent. And so the first week we looked at the Lord's Prayer and all the power that that is shown to us through that. And then last week we celebrated the birth of the Christian church as we were given the gift of the Holy Spirit, the very spirit that's uniting us today, this morning, even in all of our individual homes. And so today we're going to look at another verse, a very familiar verse. But before we jump into that verse, a verse that applies so well to the climate our culture is in right now, before we do that, I just want to pray. Because I'm going to touch at times on a few of the topics that we're going, that we're experiencing as a country and as a, as a nation and as a world. And I just want the words to come out of my mouth as God would have them, that his spirit would speak through me. So let me pray right now before we continue. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you are for each and every one of us, and you are for me. And I ask in this moment that you would go before me, behind me, and all around me as I speak the words that you've laid on my heart. If anything comes out of my mouth that is not of you, if anything comes out of my mouth that instills discord or confusion or fear, it would be eliminated immediately from the mind of those listening. I only want, Lord, your love to shine through this morning. And so I give this morning to you, I surrender myself to you, and I ask that you continue to do nothing but unify all of us together this morning by the power of your love, Jesus Christ. And I pray this all in your powerful name. Amen. So again, we're starting this, or we're continuing this series. And so the verse that we're going to focus on this morning, again, is extremely familiar. Maybe so familiar that, again, you've taken it for granted. This verse, you may have learned this verse in your early years of preschool or kindergarten. Maybe you've memorized it. In fact, maybe you've seen this verse at the end of a at the end of an end zone during a field goal kick during an NFL football game, which I'm sure we're all craving right about now. And so this verse is something that you have seen. And maybe if you're not even a follower of Jesus yet, it's a verse that you know. And so if you haven't already guessed it yet, it's the verse John 3, 16. And in just a minute, we're going to read that verse. But before we do, since we're talking about things of familiar, a taste of the familiar, when I think of the verse John 3, 16, I'm filled with nostalgia. As I'm reminded of my home church in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, Eau Claire Wesleyan to be exact, where I first learned this verse as a small toddler. And I learned it from a, my Sunday school teacher. Her name was Teacher Norma. And she loved Jesus so very much. And she taught each and every week to all of the little students that came into her room the importance of Jesus' love for them. And she did that by sharing the verse John 3.16. And as I think of this, and as I think of her, I'm reminded of two things specifically. And one of those things is this. She was purple. 
Teacher Norma was purple. Now, maybe you're asking, what in the world are you talking about? Let me explain. She wore purple everything. She wore a purple dress. She would wear purple blouse. She would wear purple stockings, purple shoes, purple earrings, purple hair accessories, purple lipstick, purple eyeshadow. She would even wear purple eyeglasses that would tinted purple so that the entire world appeared purple to her. She loved purple, and she was given the nickname the Purple Lady. In fact, we actually, uh, at one point, I think the church was going to paint the lines of her parking place purple because she would be there first thing in the morning ready to teach her students the love of Jesus. And so she'd park in the same place every time. And we thought, you know what? We should just paint her parking stall purple. I don't think that ever actually happened. But she was the purple lady, and that's one of the main things I remember about her. But beyond that, what I remember most about Teacher Norma, the purple lady, is her love for Jesus Christ and the fact that she wanted all of her students to understand that love. And so she did that by instilling the words of John 3.16 into our small and precious innocent minds. Each and every week we would learn that. Each and every week we would say that. And I would memorize that at a very early age. These words. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That is the power of Jesus. That is the love of Jesus, the simplicity of the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is, wrapped up into that one small and beautiful sentence. And so I learned that very young. But as I continue to get older, as I continue to get older and sort of experience life, all of a sudden this verse sort of was pushed back to the recesses of my, of my mind, and I began to complicate the message. I began to complicate the simplicity of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, the fact that he was offering us salvation by believing in him. I would start to ask myself questions that I'm sure you've asked yourself many times. Am I good enough? How do I know that Jesus loves me like he says he does? How can I prove that I love him? How much should I serve? How much should I go to church? How much should I give? What should I do? What should I say? How can I prove this? And it became complex. The simplicity of John 3.16 became complex as I grew older and older. And so maybe that's the same case for you. And so this morning, we're going to dive into that verse, that simple verse, and explore it a little bit. But before I do, I want to give you some context to this verse. You see, we learn in John 3.1 of a man named Nicodemus. And we learn that Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a member of the Jewish ruling council. And in this time, up until this point, Jesus had already been performing a few miracles. He started to gather his disciples around him. And more crazy than anything, he started to proclaim that he was the coming prophesied Messiah. And these religious leaders were feeling threatened by him. All of a sudden, these people were looking at Jesus and listening to the words that he said and, and the, the things that these religious leaders were standing so strong for. Jesus was really speaking against a lot of that. And the Israelites in that time were just seeking freedom from oppression from the, from the, from the Roman authorities in that time. And so they thought that this coming Messiah that was going to be prophesied would rescue them from the oppression that they were experiencing from the Roman Empire. And so all of these things are going on and these religious leaders are hoping to silence Jesus and stop him. And as we learned even earlier, as Paul spoke, they would often test him and try and make him say something that would condemn him. 
But Nicodemus, he sees all of this taking place, and he thinks to himself, maybe, just maybe, what Jesus is saying and what Jesus is doing and what Jesus is is explaining could possibly be true. Maybe it's outside the box of reality. And so rather than judge and condemn and critique what may be outside the box, he decided that he wanted to have a conversation. That seems applicable today. Rather than judge and condemn what all is going on around, he thought maybe if I just sat down and heard from the source, I would experience something different and I would maybe learn something different. And so that's what happens in this moment, and that's the scene that I'm about to set up. And so, so Nicodemus gets this meeting with Jesus, this private meeting with Jesus, and it's this powerful meeting where, where Jesus is explaining to him the things of the kingdom of God. He's explaining the difference between the physical and the spiritual realm. At one time, he talks about the difference between a, a physical and a spiritual birth. And in a rather humorous interaction, Nicodemus actually asks Jesus, what do you mean by I need to be born again? Are you saying that I need to climb back into my mother's womb? I mean, how awkward and weird would that be? These two grown men talking about this. And Jesus is like, no. There's a physical birth, and then there's a spiritual rebirth. And that is what you need to experience. And so he clarifies this physical and this spiritual And that leads him to the beautiful words that he says of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And so I'm going to show you this come alive through a very short clip. This clip is actually taken from a series called The Chosen. You can watch this for free on YouTube. You can download The Chosen app. I would highly, highly encourage it. It gives a beautiful backstory to Jesus and and to his disciples, and it gives a little bit of creative liberty, but is rooted in Scripture, and it is profoundly true in the way it's uh, portrayed. And so I'm going to let you take a glimpse of this in just this moment as we see John 3.16 brought to life. Check this out. I have come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. More miracles. Yes. But even more than that, Do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes. They wanted to return to Egypt and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents and they were dying. But? But God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin. From spiritual death. God loves the world in this way. That he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. 
It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? You want to keep watching, don't you? It's a powerful scene. And I even love how John is sitting outside the walls overhearing this, writing the words of John down. It's powerful. You see, what was so clear in that passage, what was so clear that Jesus was saying was that he did not come to save the people from Rome. He came to save the people from sin. In this current climate we're in, how many of us are thinking to ourselves, like, what is your personal Rome right now? What is it you feel you need to be saved from? Is it a political system? Is it social justice or injustice for that matter? Is it, is it, is it human trafficking? What is it? There's so many different things that we're thinking, oh God, come save me from this, come save me from this. But the reality is that's not what Jesus came to do. He didn't came to come to save us from those things. He came to save us from the root of what causes those issues to occur in the first place. And that is sin. He came to save us from sin. He loves all and wants to redeem all from the curse and the oppression that sin brings each and every one of us. It's simple. I was doing lawn work the last weekend, and I was trying to kill a bunch of weeds. And the reality is I can kill the top. I can kill the weed all I want. I can spray it. I can cut it out or whatever. But unless I grab it by the root, it's, it's going to keep coming back. And oftentimes, it comes back stronger. Here's the reality. When it comes to this oppression and these issues that we're facing in our life right now, we as humans cannot fix it. We can't fix it. It's deeply rooted in sin, and the only person that can fix it is Jesus Christ himself by pulling that from the ground, that sin from the ground. But what he does want to do is fill us with his spirit so we can navigate through the tension in this world. And so with that reality, understanding that Jesus came to save us from sin, not from Rome, from sin, not from political issues, from sin, not from racial injustice, from sin, not from human trafficking, but from sin, when we understand that, this verse can come to life. And then we can ask ourselves, well, who? Who can be saved from sin? How are we saved from sin? And why is it even so important? So that's what we're going to do together. So we're going to start by this. Who can be saved? Who can be saved from sin? God so loved the world. The world. God loves the world. He loves all of us. He loves all of his creation, and his desire is that all of his creation, even our enemies at times, would enter into a relationship with him and be welcomed into his family. God loves the world. All of us. And I think so many times we think to ourselves, well, who does he love maybe just a little bit more? Who does he, who does he like to focus on his attention on a little bit more? The reality is that God loves us all. He loves the world. But here's the issue, and here's the significance, and Jesus himself proves this. At times, at times, we need to shift our attention 
to other people groups or other significant issues in our culture that need our attention. That does not mean we don't love everybody equally. That does not mean that God himself does not love all people equally. At times, he has to shift his attention and focus on people who are reaching out to him. Right now, that's our black brothers and sisters. They need attention. They need to be shown love. They need to be shown grace. And we need to realize and understand that we can't fix it, but, but the love of Jesus Christ can be shown into the situation and filled into the situation. And maybe just a little bit of attention can be given to them. Red and yellow, black and white, and teacher Norma's case, purple, all are precious in his sight. But right now, the black society needs a little bit more attention. I think of it like this way with my own children. I love my kids. I love all of them. I love all of them equally. There's nothing that one of them can do to make me love them less. Yes, they may absolutely disappoint me or have, I may struggle with one or two of them from time to time, but I love them all. And a perfect example of this was one time we were playing at a playground just around the corner from South Creek. And uh, my daughter was on the monkey bars, and at one point she fell, which was often. But she fell, and she looks down at her arm, and all of a sudden there's an extra elbow. She had clearly broken her arm significantly. So in that moment, I, like a tractor beam, focused right at her. I focused all my attention on her. My other children were right there with me, but I focused all of my attention on her. My wife was like, I don't think I can handle this. You're going to have to take her to the hospital. So I grab her up in my arms, and I take her to the hospital. Does that mean that now all of a sudden I love her more? No. I love my other children the same, but she needed my attention in that moment. Jesus himself did this all throughout his ministry. He had disciples. He shared his love with the people that are around him. But many times he would be going from point A to point B, and he would need to shift his attention and his focus to the paralytic, to the blind person, to the individual possessed by a demon. That didn't mean that all of a sudden as he was focusing on this individual, he was forgetting about and didn't love these people behind him. He still loved all of them, but they needed his attention. And that's what's going on. And that's what we're seeing in our world right now. And I've, I have got to tell you, it has been a challenge to navigate this as a pastor and as a, as a friend of, of so many different uh, cultural backgrounds. We were speaking with a, one of our African-American pastor friends in the city this week and just allowing him to lament to us. And we were reaching out to him. And then at the same time, we were supporting him. We were, we were trying to figure out ways to support the really very good, upstanding police officers that are doing the right thing. But right now, they're the target. And so it's like you have these two sides, but it's not like that. And so how in the world do you navigate this? And so We've been having conversation, and in fact, tomorrow night on Family Night Online, I'm going to have a conversation with this, with this pastor from the city, and we're going to talk about this tension together, openly. We're going to have a conversation. Like Nicodemus and Jesus had, we're going to have a conversation. I would encourage you to tune into that tomorrow night. But there's times where we need to shift our focus. For God so loved the world. So God loves us all. How does he demonstrate it? Well, we've just sort of alluded to it with Jesus. How? It's Jesus. Jesus is the how. You see, we are loved by God in such an incredible way that ever since sin entered this world, God knew that there needed to be some sort of a way out for the curse of sin. You see, to overview just generally the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and why it's so important 
sin entered this world. God created all of us. And he wanted us to love him freely in return. So he gave us free will, the gift and the choice to choose to love him back. Adam and Eve, unfortunately, choose to disobey him, allowing sin to enter in. And then all throughout the Old Testament, we see Israelites and the society trying to regain this connection with God the creator because God is good, God is light, God is love, and sin is the opposite of that, and the two cannot coexist. It's the only way there was ever any sort of a temporary justification between God and man was through this sacrificial system where a perfect animal would need to be sacrificed and blood would need to be shed so that there could be temporary justification between God and man, and this was all done through the mediator of a priest. And we learned last week that that was eliminated by the filling of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus entered into this world because God didn't want this cyclical thing to continue. He didn't want this cyclical sin, repent, sin, repent, and we still need to do that. But he wanted us to be able to enter into the kingdom of God permanently here on earth, like we talked about the first week, that his kingdom would come down here on earth. And so he did that through the person of Jesus Christ. And it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Some translations say that he was begotten. Jesus was begotten. The fact that he wasn't created, he had always been. But in that moment, God sent Jesus down as his one and only son and gave him full divinity as he was miraculously birthed through the Virgin Mary, not inheriting the curse of sin, allowing him to be a perfect and pure, spotless lamb sacrificing and taking our punishment so we no, long, no longer needed to be bound by the curse of sin. And that is what Jesus was talking about when he came. How powerful is that? How beautiful is that reality? Jesus entered into this world perfect, blameless, as God and man for the purpose of reconciling all of us to God our creator. So now maybe you're asking yourself, why is this so important? Why does this really ultimately matter? Why? Because it's life or death. It's a life or death scenario. We will all face death at some point. You see, God loves the entire world so much that he sent his son, Jesus, so that everyone may experience eternal life. Right now, with this COVID-19 pandemic and the riots and all that's going on in our, in, our, in our society, our mortality is in front of us. It's been put right in front of our face. It's very hard for us to, to, to deny the fact that we will one day face death. So the question is, what will happen to you after that? What will your eternity look like? And maybe, again, you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm not sure I really believe there is an afterlife. I'm not really sure I believe there is anything after death. I don't know that I really care. And so my prayer for you and the heart of God is that your walls would break down, your heart would soften, and you would experience and receive the truth and the love of Jesus Christ that he's displayed to us through his gospels through the gospel, through the good news, the fact that he came for each and every one of us freely. 
It's so powerful, this concept. And remember when Jesus had to clarify, as I mentioned, the difference between the physical and a spiritual birth. Well, there's also a physical and a spiritual punishment and consequence for sin. We're seeing that played out right now in our society. There have been individuals who have done things that are not right, that are not in line with God, and they're not in line with even our political system, and they are paying the punishment for that. We're seeing that with some of the cops that we've seen in the news. We're seeing that with all sorts of different individuals, people who are rioting. All of these people are paying this physical punishment. There's a physical, earthly, temporary punishment and consequence for sin, but there is also an eternal, spiritual consequence and punishment for sin that goes on into eternity. And although at times people need to pay a consequence for the sin that they do here on earth, the heart of God, the heart of God is that all of his creation will be freed from the eternal consequence of sin. And that includes our enemies. That includes those individuals right now that we look at and say, there is no way they deserve any sort, any sort of salvation. That is not the heart of God. The heart of God is that they would come to know him. The criminal on the cross is a perfect example of this. He was experiencing and going through a physical, temporary, earthly punishment that he most likely deserved. But Jesus, while hanging on the cross, taking all of ours and his spiritual, eternal consequences away from him, offered him the gift of eternal life and allowed him to enter into paradise with him. He experienced the physical. He experienced the temporary, the punishment that he deserved. But the heart of God rescued him from the eternal punishment, the eternal consequence of sin, which is eternal separation from God the Father. We can all enter into that. And I think so many times we think to ourselves, but I'm not good enough. I can't do that. I'm not at the point where Jesus is going to love me yet. Well, we read it, in, well, we listened to it in the clip. And I'm going to read it right now one more time. You see, it's only after we enter into this relationship with Jesus Christ that we begin to become like Jesus. John 3, 17 says this, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus didn't come to condemn. Who are we to condemn? We ourselves are sinners as well. He didn't come to condemn. He came to save. That is the love and the power and the beauty of who Jesus Christ is. You see around here at Watermark, we call it discovering wholeness in Jesus. This fact that we enter into this journey, that we enter into this relationship with him. And as we enter into that relationship, his Holy Spirit that we talked about last week starts to renew our mind, starts to transform the way we think and see other people. And as we receive this love from God, we then can give it out to others. And maybe this morning you need to receive that love. But as you receive that love, then we are intended to do something with that love. Pastor Paul mentioned that in the beginning of service. I'm going to read it. This is later in John. Jesus is talking to Peter. John 13, 34 and 35 says this. 
So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It doesn't say your, 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 your post on social media is going to prove to the world that you're my disciple. Your rant is going to prove that, you're, that you love me. Your division and your arguments is going to prove that you love me. Your love to others will prove that you love me, that you are a disciple of mine. So I just want to ask you, how are you doing with that? Even in the concept of social media, it's such a powerful platform. But more often than not, I see it causing division and tension. It's not solving the issues of the world. Think that through as you post. Think that through as you, as you look outside your door. Think that through as you build relationship with other cultures and in other contexts. Love as you have been loved. This simple passage, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Do you hear what it says there? Whoever believes. You do not need to be perfect. You do not need to be right. You simply need to believe. That simple passage that maybe you learned and memorized in kindergarten, that simple passage that you see at the end of a field go kick, that simple passage that I learned from the purple lady teacher Norma so many years ago, it's not about Rome. It's not about political issues. It's not about social injustice. It's not about all of that. It's about causing the root to be eradicated from our lives, and that is sin. It's allowing us to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can navigate these tensions and we can love our enemies and we can love our brothers and sisters of all race. And we can love both sides of the tension that's currently going on right now. Love. That is what unifies us. That is what Jesus has done for us. And that is what he wants us to do for others. So maybe this morning you're thinking to yourself, this sounds challenging. It sounds simple. It sounds beautiful. And I'm not sure I've received this love. Well, in this climate, in this culture, I want to offer you this gift of salvation. And it is not me, Trevor Kaufman, offering this to you. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that's drawing you in. And so I'm going to simply pray. I'm going to acknowledge that Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior and that I want him to continue filling my life and my heart and renewing my mind so I can navigate these tensions that are all around me. I know that I'll fail at times. I know that I'll get it wrong at times. But Lord, I just ask that you would go before me, behind me, beside me, and that your favor would surround me and my family and you and your family as you go into this world, into this complex world, knowing that at times you need to shift your attention to certain individuals just like Jesus did as well. So with that, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for the fact that this is all about the all-encompassing love God has for the entire world. The sacrificial life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the eternal life freely given to each and every one of us if we choose to believe he is who he says he is. So with that, let me pray. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I know that you love 
all of your creation. Your desire in your heart is that even those who are struggling with the curse of sin in such significant ways that it is just pure evil in this world, you even want to redeem that. And so this concept or idea that maybe we're not good enough or maybe we're not perfect enough is a lie because all of us are sinners. All of us fall short of the glory of God. But we, although at times, need to experience and deserve a physical temporary consequence for the sins that we do on this earth, Lord, at, you don't want any of us to experience the salvation or the, 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 the sacrificial, the, the punishment, the eternal punishment. You want all of us to be drawn into your presence so we don't have to experience eternity apart from you. So God, I ask that you be with us. And in this moment, I ask anybody who wants to join along to declare the truth that Jesus Christ, you are my Savior. I love you. I surrender my life to you. I understand right now that I cannot fix this world. I cannot fix myself. I cannot fix the issues around me. It is the cause and the birth from the root and the seed of sin that only you can take away. Use me to navigate through this. Use me to put up boundaries so this doesn't grow out of hand in my life, but that I can direct and lead people into your presence. Heavenly Father, I surrender my life to you. I give you glory. I confess the sins that I have made. I believe you are who you said I am and who you say you are. And with this, I love you. I give my life to you. I surrender it to you. Take me out of it. Use me as a mouthpiece and an example and is that I love others. I love others. They will see that I am a child of yours. I love you. I praise you. I give all of this to you. And again, if anything has come out of my mouth that causes division or tension, allow it to be eliminated from the mind of those listening. All of this glory is to you. You love us. Let us love others. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.